Welcome aboard the ship that's not explicit, but we are a little explicit. It's the Redenbacher. I'm your Captain Matt Murphy, joined by Commander Ben Blowell. How's it hanging, Brotendo? Yeah. Oh, Brotendo. It is hanging well, my friend. How are things hanging on your neck of the woods? Ah, quite well, quite well. You didn't expect that Brotendo, did you? I, I'm not going to pretendo. I did not expect that Brotendo, <laughs> bro. And we're already off the races with the puns. Anyways, let, let's dive right into this bad boy, since uh, we got a quite the complex episode this week. Oh my god, do we ever. Yeah, let's... Oh, yeah, I, underway. I believe we're receiving transmission. Yes, that's right. This week we're talking of the fantastic episode Blood of Patriots, written by Seth MacFarlane and directed by the lovely Rebecca Rodriguez. Killing it. Yeah, that Rodriguez family really has been killing it with the sci-fi this year. Uh, she's the sister of Robert Rodriguez, the uh, the pretty well-known director. He just uh, directed Alita, which is a pretty badass movie. If you guys haven't seen it, it's still in theaters and uh, has some of the best fight scenes I've seen in theaters in a long time. Wow, we. Um, so I didn't know that. So I am going to go check out this film. Um, yeah, dude, you should send me like a reminder on that. I'm going to go check this out because this episode was. We always say this, but this episode was phenomenal. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, "It's good, it's good." But it there's so many, so much, like so many dynamics in this episode with uh, Ed and Gordon's friendship and the war dynamic of like what it means to be a patriot and stuff like that. It was really intense, and I, I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I mean, the first time watching this episode, I got just about to the end, and then I was like, "Oh my god, what?" Um, on the rewatch, you kind of you can kind of pick up on a little bit more, and like knowing what happens, it's really strange to rewatch it. But like, yeah, there's a lot going on in this episode, guys. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's jealousy, there's um, extremism, there's you know deceit, um, there's you know th- there's so many phenomenal elements at work here. Um, I'd like to take this chance to applaud the Rodriguez family and specifically Rebecca in this instance. And also, I mean, goddamn good going that Seth, like as always good going Seth. Yeah. Seth knows this Trek and this episode felt very, very Trekish with the, 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 with the huge dilemma that was presented. Yeah. This was super awesome. I, I would say this is like, yeah, this is like a good Trek episode. Um, and there's also elements of Star Wars, I found. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but there's just like this one little scene that made me think of Star Wars so much. Oh, it was but... definitely Bro- uh, Bo- Brosk or whatever his name was. Uh, <laughs> the guy there with the, the like bulbs on his head. There were the. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, for sure. I love that. that was, uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was good stuff. But we opened this episode with our, our prediction coming true that Yafit did indeed deserve a medal and he got that Sapphire Star baby for his extraordinary heroism beyond the Call of Duty for work during the Kalon conflict. I love yeah. this. No, this was such a good scene, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just love it. It's just like, you know, the episode opens up and it's your boy Yafet getting what he deserves. His Sapphire Star. It, it was a beautiful. big pop at the Murphy household, man. I was I was loving this because like I thought I was like, is this a wedding? Like, what's Ed saying? And then I saw Yafet. I was like, no, no way. And then he goes to put the medal. I was like, yes, yes, this is fantastic. Yafet with the medal is like the best. I love the way just like kind of lays on his gelatinous body it's you know it's it's interesting like i mean he doesn't really he doesn't really have a neck right so it just kind of like hangs across his head <laughs> shoulder kind of upper torso region um but it, it looks great off it so don't take and i that love the expression away. that he has when he puts it on there it's like he's so satisfied with himself and you tell by the way his like mouth is, is it's great <laughs> Yeah, I know this is one of the proudest moments for Yafet and probably Mama Yafet if she's still with us. She's probably very proud of her boy. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, we've been cooking up some some good memes and stuff on the Instagram, on the uh, Instagram for the Redenbacher. It's at the Redenbacher if you guys want to join us. We're uh, making an effort to make that pretty uh, a pretty dope place. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a new project that's underway, but we'd very much like to see you guys there. You can feel free to comment and share. You know, it doesn't even need to be about the photo. You can just kind of uh, express your love, hopefully, <laughs> for the Redenbacher there, and you know, chat, um, shoot with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd just like to say also that uh, welcome listeners from the UK. We've been getting a lot of you guys this month, and it's been great. Ireland as well. It's been pretty sweet. Yeah, a big, big. Um, um, global hug for all of you listeners, whether you be in Canada to Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah, exactly, for sure. I'm just hoping we get that listen on Pluto and Saturn that I've been waiting for. Uh, I might have to hold that a little longer. It could be uh, it could be evidence for life elsewhere in the galaxy. They tuned into the Redenbacher. Yeah, during the celebration for uh, Yafit getting his medal, uh, Gordon brings some Eldorian vodka over to some members of the crew, and Ed doesn't want to take the shot, and he just fakes taking the shot when everyone else does. He just like throws it over his head, and they all kind of know that he faked it. Yo, it's so funny. I, uh, when I first watched it, I kind of missed that, but then when you rewatch it, you can actually see him just whip the shot glass to the, like, it would be to his uh, right, and the whole shot just flies everywhere, but but then he just plays it off. Oh, oh, that's that's some good vodka. Like, it'd be funny if either like Dan slipped on it or like Yafit like like slimes over it and like absorbs it and gets like a little buzz. Gets a little buzz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man, what was that like? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Ed and Kelly get a call from Admiral Perry and Ted Danson's back in the house, folks, via Skype. Admiral space Danson's Skype. calling you on space Skype. Yeah, less leg for those guys than us over here, just going from Nova Scotia to Toronto. Here. <laughs> Yeah, they've got some, like, I don't know, man. They're working on something different. Some premium tech. So Perry mentions that the Krill are willing to sign uh, a peace treaty, or at least negotiate one. And he says that they're going to try to shepherd the signing at of a uh, Lock Vi pack, which is a Krill prelude to peace. And Ed is supposed to be involved in in that. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. You know, we're talking, finally, um, we're talking about, Oh, the treaty eventually. I mean, it's 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 negotiating, you know, right now it's a ceasefire and we're hoping to have, you know, a closer relationship with the Krill. This is insane. This is so crazy. I love it later when they or actually, no, it's in this scene when he mentions he's like, you know, I don't think we're qualified for this. And, you know, you have hundreds of diplomats. Surely you could send someone else. And he's like, well, hmm. frankly, you know you know, like you've had exposure to the krill more so than most of like union officers would ever have. You've hooked up with one. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was going to say. He mentions, um, his relationship. He mentions, yeah, exactly. The relationship with, uh, Tala there and Talea. Oh, sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Talea. And I'm just thinking, Hey, well, if you know, if the krill and like the union are talking peace, Hey, can we see Talea come back? I'm, I'm like, I said this last episode, I believe, or the one prior to that, I just want to see more Talea. I think she's a super cool character, man. I'm wondering where she is. I, I think someone was saying on Reddit that she might have another show, the actress that plays her, so she might be busy. But come on, uh, if you can get if you can get Liam Neeson and Ted Danson, I mean, let's be real here. And it's not like Talea would be on every episode. No, absolutely not. She could be here and there. You know, it would have been nice to see her in this episode, especially. I think she must be busy. I think that she might be locked up somewhere. Or something something's going on where they don't like the relationship she had with them. Like the krill might sense weakness or something like that. That's that's my speculation. Absolutely. And they see them as like an inferior sub race of mm. you know, godless blah blah blah. Um so maybe it's just like a a matter of um uh like taboo. Maybe it's just like really friggin' weird. 
Either way, uh, Kelly says, uh, Admiral, what do you want us to do? And Perry says, you're to rendezvous with the Krill vessel, Dvorokos, in 12 hours at Terrazed 3. And Kelly asks, the Dvorokos? And he goes, yes, it means bringer of blood. It sounds nice. And Ned goes, well, that's cool. <laughs> and Perry <laughs> goes, the ship will be carrying a Krill ambassadorial detachment. You'll host them in the briefing room if you can secure the signing of the lock by. It throws the doors wide open for the Admirals to begin official peace treaty negotiations. And... He says, understood, and I goes, we'll do our best, and Perry says, good luck, Captain. Good luck indeed, because they're about to get a hell of an ethical issue on their hands in about, I don't know, 10 minutes, not even. <laughs> like, Yeah, if you need a peace treaty, better ask the weirder ship on the fleet, for sure. They'll, they'll get it done. <laughs> oh, they'll get it done, but it'll be a wacky one. So later on, we're on the bridge, um, Bordis asks if he should raise the deflectors as a krill vessel approaches. Ed's like, no, 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 let's show a little trust, you know? Um, a Krill shuttle, however, is discovered at the main Krill ship is firing upon. Um, so this is raising some questions on the bridge. People are like, why are they firing on their own vessel, blah, blah, blah. The shuttle hails. The Orville calls for emergency docking. It turns out to be uh, a friend of, of Gordon's. Well, we find out that later. Matt, why don't you tell us what happens in between then and then? Yeah, well, aren't you glad it wasn't a Krill that came out? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my one use of that joke right now. But I like the way that the shuttle, they, they, they showed the shuttle flying through under the Orville's like quantum drives or whatever on the back. And then like sliding in and barely making it to the shuttle bay. I thought that was nicely done. Yeah, it was a really cool scene, man. Um, Like awesome execution. And then when he flies in the shuttle bay and he smashes the wall. I was so sure that it was going to like puncture or something, but no, man, it was super cool scene. Emergency landing, sparks and stuff, injured crewmates, the whole wheel and deal. Yeah, it's it's funny when the uh, the uh, the Orbital crew members come in and like Kelly like presses some buttons on the on the shells like, do you know the codes to a, a, curl sh- a curl vessel? And then they just get Tala to like rip the door open. Yeah, Tala, can you take care of this? Just freaking rips the door off like it's a paperweight, man. And the lands, they know they know what they're doing. They do. We find a frightened woman and an unconscious man. The woman kind of reminds me of Violet from The Incredibles, but not Incredibles 2. That's a totally different Violet. <laughs> but I, when I first saw the woman, I thought it was like, is this girl like 12? Like, I couldn't tell. Like, I couldn't get the age until like later on in the episode. It was weird. Yeah, she had a lot of, um, she was very like dirty, like physically, like, you know, and her hair was over her face. Yeah, she was very, um, like, I kind of thought she was going to be a lot older than she turned out to be. I mean, I understand the actress is probably. I'm, I'm not I couldn't sure. find her age, but she's probably like mid-20s. I'd say mid, yeah, like maybe like 26, something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was how, how old is she supposed to be? 18? Something like well, that. We don't even we don't even know. He's just he, we find out. Well, spoiler, of course, yes. we're going to go through the whole episode. We find <clears> out that she's an invol or whatever, which is like a, a humanoid race. So we don't know what how they age or anything like that. But she That's looks true. enough to pass as like a t- what would be Orin's daughter's age at the time. Yeah, she'd be about 20, I guess, because they were imprisoned. She was a baby, um, and she grew up with 20 years. So, yeah, she's approximately 20 years old in relative to the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Orrin's played by Mackenzie Aston, and there's some posts on Reddit, and it appears that he actually is, like, good friends with Scott Grimes. Like, there's pictures of them, like, when they're much younger together. Really? Mm-hmm. So, it seems wow. like they actually were friends in real life. And I just like him and Seth are probably friends in real life. So, they actually probably, it, they probably had the dynamic where one was pulling <laughs> the other towards the other in real life. And then Seth is actually like kind of jealous and probably wrote this <laughs> episode about that. And he wrote it into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt that, though. I'm sure, I'm sure they're really tight. Uh, you know, I'm sure Scott and Seth are boys for life. Boys for life, even though he's technically married to Seth's ex wife fictionally. 
yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> weird dynamics at work here. Uh, the the woman on the shuttle is named Lena Channing after you know Orin is Orin Channing, and we call her Lena Channing for the guys. And she's played by Ailey K. Uh, um, excuse me if I mispronounce that. It's a don't see that name every day. And I think she did like a really cool job of playing someone who's lived through most of the, like war most of her life, or at least putting on the guise of that of like a war torn child when she's just like. This is like weird bomb slave. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Like, she's literally her blood is a bomb. Like, holy guac. Anyway, um, yeah, no, she did an excellent job. Like, uh, on the first watch through, like before I knew everything, um, I was convinced this girl was traumatized, like beyond belief. Excellent acting, very believable. Almost too believable. It, I, I've seen enough of the grudge to know that something was probably up with her, but I didn't really suspect it until like much later in the episode. Yeah, like and the I, shower scene when she finds the grudge. On the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once the crew find out that uh, they've managed to get aboard the Orville, they demand that they send them back because they've destroyed four vessels of the Krills. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed's like, well, how? Like, we've searched like the we've searched the vessel, we've searched the people. Like, there's no sign of like there's no weapon. Like, there's nothing. Um, and they, they express that they don't know how it happens. Like he, they don't know how he's been doing it, but he has been doing it apparently. Um, so this leaves Ed in a very tough spot. You know, he's trying to negotiate peace treaties. Um, and he doesn't really want to hand over what, what seems to be a, a very reliable, honest, um, like union officer who's been through a hell of a lot. He's one of their own who's been in a POW camp for 20 years. We later we learned later on. So like he's suffered and they don't want to say this guy has suffered. I don't believe that he would go and do this. Although, you know, if anyone would have a grudge against the Krill, it would probably be that guy. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. Like uh, he, he has reason to have a grudge, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So while they have a, a communique with the Krill, Ed says that they should come come aboard and discuss it in person. And they agree to send a, uh, a boarding party of ambassadors. And we see uh, Gordon and Ed walk down the corridor while Gordon tells him. He basically brings him on the up and up and tells him all about Orin and says that they were best friends from grade school through the Union Point. We know that they still have grades, I guess, in the future, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> Gordon says we were both in our early 20s and we were stationed on Outpost 73. Orin was living there with his wife and their newborn daughter, Lena, when the Krill made a surprise attack on the outpost. Orin's wife was killed and, he, and him and his daughter disappeared. And Ed goes, oh, my God. And he says no one ever heard from them again. It was assumed that they were captured or killed. And Ed says, and now here they are. And here they are indeed. We go to the med bay and we find Orin being scanned and he wakes up. Yes, okay. So, Orin wakes up. Uh, he's, he's in a panic, obviously. Finn's like, you know, your daughter didn't want treatment, but you gotta calm down, blah, blah, blah. Like, Finn is trying to to get um, Lena in there to do, like, a physical examination of her. She needs to confirm her health. Um, you know, Orin, he tries to, he tries to kind of work his way around it. And he says that, you know, she's been through so much. Blah, 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 blah. Like, she hasn't spoken in 12 years. Like, she's lived her life in a prison camp. He says, you know, give her give her a few days to kind of warm up to the crew. Um, and she might come in for an examination. He says that he knows she's physically well. Obviously, she's not mentally well. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, and that's easy to believe if you see people that just escaped Krill capture. I mean, any prisoner of war, especially young ones, would be mentally in dire straits for sure. Absolutely. Like, not only were you held there for 20 years, but, like, 
as we know in like childhood development, like the first six to seven years are like the most crucial, like your mm. environment, like everything, like pretty much a blank slate at that point. Yeah. And you're just a sponge. You'll absorb everything. And those are the years that can define personality very much, like how you're treated in those years and everything. So she's been, she was a baby. And when she disappeared, okay, we don't know the exact age, um, but a baby. So we're going to assume like practically newborn, her entire life has been spent in, in a prisoner camp. Like, yeah, her entire all she remembers is suffering and being a prisoner, which is not good. And that's how she grew up. So it's even worse. Yeah, or at least that's what we've been told. Yes, that's the so so is told the story. Gordon enters the med bay and Warren says to him that the last time he saw Gordon he had a mohawk. And there's plenty of images making the rounds online about that with Gordon. <laughs> I'll have to send you one. It's good stuff with like a big orange mohawk. It's a or big red mohawk, whatever. It looks it looks pretty cool and. uh they should rock it. I'd love to see a prequel, like a, an episode where Ed and Gordon met. That'd be fantastic. That'd be so funny. Um, yeah, I noticed later in the at the very end of the episode when Gordon's looking through like the photos of him and Oren. Um, I was really hoping to see a mohawk in that. But yeah, no right. Dice. Someone someone else said that a lot. It's like yeah, but I can live with that. That was probably before the mohawk days, you know, because he said last time he saw him. So you know, the mohawk. This is true. <laughs> just one flashback even for like a five second bit would be would be worth it it'd be so good it'd be like a family guy-esque moment where it'd just be like you know gordon walking into like a class or something with his mohawk sorry i'm late like yeah oh. seth, seth knows how to do cutaways for sure <laughs> it tells orin that the krill want him back in their custody and that uh, the that orin violated the ceasefire orin says him and lena were in the krill prison for 20 years they escaped six weeks ago by stealing a shuttle and they ran out of dry plasma before they could reach Union space and also i think he mentions at this point or maybe later on that he didn't even know there was a ceasefire yeah, he denies that he even knowing of a ceasefire. I guess he hasn't been in communications. He hasn't been using his uh, transponder, I'm going to call it, like his radio. Yeah, he um, didn't want to at risk that they get picked up while on the run. Exactly. They were in Union space. Yeah, like you were, you know, you're a raccoon in Toronto in the daytime. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, persona, you're persona non grata at that point. No one wants to talk to you. <laughs> And uh, this is a lot of an issue. To, this is a huge issue when you're trying to be in peace talks with somebody. So Ed tells Tala, can you please stall the krill? And so <laughs> she does this because she's a fantastic security officer. This is probably my favorite episode with Tala uh, so far. I think she was great in this one. I would uh, I would definitely agree. I think Tala was a very big role in this episode, A, and B, like, just super, just super all together. Yeah, Tala stalls the krill by asking for the fleet registry number and mother's and the mother's maiden name. Like basically, she's actually like a border patrol agent or like border agent. It's fantastic. Then like she, it. <laughs> yeah. Then she asks for a urine sample from each of them, and their reactions pretty feel like, oh, oh, I'm not gonna do this, and then end up doing it. And she said, oh, I recommend going by behind the crates, and it's essentially a pea corner 2.0. Yeah, I mean, how's the krill pea corner? <laughs> and uh i even made a nice little dark knight uh reference about it, it says you're, you're either in the pea corner or you're sending people there basically uh you know there's two kinds of people in this world dang <laughs> no, no, <there's> <laughs> <a few>. uh, <laughs> oh my god tala keeps yeah tala keeps trying to stall and she says that she can't stall the krill any longer and it says just five more minutes but uh i think they stall like a bit more than that and uh, they imply that Tala is doing a cavity search as she snaps on the glove. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that latex glove when she goes snap and it just cuts scene. You're like, I wonder how the krill reacted to being asked of that one. If they were so, <laughs> you know, with the urine sample, they were quite taken aback. But to, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Super good scene. Super funny. I liked it. 
Yeah, I don't think Avis uh, told him that that was going to be going <laughs> down. <laughs> Gordon enters Ed's office and uh, he questions if Ed would turn Orin over to the Krill. And Ed says that they have a no extradition treaty with the Krill that prevents that. So I didn't know what extradition was, but that's when, uh, you know, uh, someone like in war that people can punish people that uh, on the other side for their crimes or whatever. I'm pretty sure. Oh, OK. It's kind of like, huh? no, I get it. So, like, you'll have your own people being punished by your enemy, which is super deadly. Yeah, that's scary. Your your enemy, but also, like, in this case, like, your ally to be if you... Yeah, no, it's a big dilemma, man. It's a big ethical dilemma. Like, it's a hard one. Yeah, we see Gordon's fantastic uh, problem-solving and negotiation skills at play here. And he says, maybe we can offer the Krill something else. That says, like, what? And Gordon goes, oh, you know, like, free back rubs or something. And it's just like, I, I kind of got to get back to this. And he goes, yeah, no, dear thing. I was just pitching. <laughs> And he's like, he, he says something after that, and he's kind of like, you know, it was a good pitch. Like, I, I totally get it. Like, I'll, I'll keep it in mind somewhere. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> after, after the cavity search, I think they'd be down for back rubs. They could probably just wrap it up right there. <laughs> yeah, that would be the treaty signed. Done deal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Krill probably debate the Orn issue with uh, the crew of the Orville, and the Krill only want Orn, who they refer to as the Butcher. They don't care about his daughter. And I think they would once they knew what, the, what kind of blood she has. <laughs> The Krill ambassador mentions that the vessels that were destroyed, the four Krill vessels, had 1,200 people on it, which is a big deal. That's no small small loss. No, that's a lot of soldiers. Um, well, people. Like, let's not, you know, just paint them as soldiers, even though they probably were. But that's a lot of lives lost, and that's a huge tragedy, and you can understand why the Krill would be so upset. Yeah, the, the Krill want to interrogate Orin, and Kelly says, look, Ambassador, let's not kid ourselves. We all know an interrogation means death. And Ambassador KTZ, which is like the main ambassador that we see through the episode, and who eventually ends up signing the peace treaty, says, the death of one against against the death of 1,200, you're a godless heretic by nature, and even you cannot ignore such killing. And Ed goes, I seem to recall being on board a Krill vessel that, that was prepared to wipe out an entire Union colony, but let's not go there right now. Look, our two peoples have been, I actually, I love the line when he says that, because he's like, look, you're still wrong in this. I've won the argument already. Don't even bother. Let's let's not argue with this. <laughs> and he goes, look, our two peoples have been in conflict for longer than you and I have been alive. Hundreds of thousands of people have died as a result. We have a chance to stop the hate and violence right here, right now, by agreeing to peace. So let's focus on making this happen. Ed was amazing as a captain in this ep- whole episode. No, you're absolutely right. Like, even in that moment when he admits uh, to, to Gordon that he's not even sure if he should be there at times, it's like, that is... Oh my God, he he is he is a very good captain. I don't know what more to say than that. Like you know, he I think he would make Picard and, and like James T. Kirk. I think he'd make everyone very proud. Like in he's this got, episode especially, he's got a big heart, which is a good leader has. Where you know you can connect with people and tell them, hey, you know, I might be above you in rank, but I still feel the same way you do. I'm still human. You know, absolutely. Um, excellent work here by Seth. Beautiful. Yeah, work. KTZ replies, unless you return the, the criminal to our custody, there will be no peace. Our ship will return in 12 hours. You have that long to decide if it will be a, a lock by or a battleground. And then uh, we see Lena playing a, the same game uh, Isaac and the boys were playing at the beginning of Identity Part 1. And Gordon mentions she has a, a knack for bold and discs. And now we finally have a name for it. <laughs> yes, I'm very glad we finally have a name for it because I was explaining it as like... <laughs> What I say is like weird forty disc chess game, yeah. More. <laughs> yeah, so I hope the uh, Fox merchandise team is working on making Balden discs right now. We'll have a fully functional set set that you can buy for like a thousand dollars. Yeah, we might do a live stream and play the heck out of those Balden discs. Yeah, it'll be like playing backgammon online or whatever, like chess live stream. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> super cool. Man. 
<laughs> we can only yeah. help. Orin and Gordon talk about how bad it is, how bad it was with the krill, and Gordon thanks Orin for saving his life, revealing that Orin came back to save his save Gordon's crew and risked himself and eventually got caught while saving Gordon. Yeah, this is pretty. That's a pretty big slice of pie to cut off right there. Like, um, you know. And we know that he obviously did get captured, and, you know, that's pretty much the ultimate sacrifice. 20 years of your life? We thought he lost just his wife, and no, he lost his daughter as well. And he had nothing to do but get revenge. Yeah, and you know what? And after all of that, Orin replies to Gordon, and he goes, Gordon, like, you owe me nothing. We were a team. So it's like, he seems so selfless. He seems so, like, what a deception all this was. But, I mean, holy cow, like, you know. Good guy, um, Orin, for sure. Absolutely, like, wow. Orin's like, like an, he's almost like an older brother to Gordon. Like, I don't know if, if Gordon's mentioned having siblings or not, but they definitely do have that, like, brotherly bond. And a lot of people, whether they have multiple siblings or none at all, you know, with their friends, you listeners know this, You a lot of people consider their friends basically an extension of their family. A lot of their best friends are, like, brothers or sisters to them. Absolutely. I mean, um, like, yeah, like, you're right. I'm not sure if Gordon does have siblings at all. Um but you can see that he has a an immense amount of respect, and he, he very much does love Oren. And it's crazy, you know, after 20 years of separation, I mean, you would be aesthetic to see, like, an old friend again. And, you know, I mean, it, it's a vulnerable moment, absolutely. Um, Gordon continues, and he, he apologizes about, you know, like, Oren's loss, being Sophie, Um um, he says he wished he could be there for him and everything. Orn replies, uh, I was in a Krill prison camp. You were at a Union hospital trying to decide whether or not to keep your mohawk, but I appreciate the thought. <laughs> what do you think it's, about that, Matt? Well, it's like when you're in your 30s and you're like, oh, I, 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 got my, I went to get something at the vending machine and the chips fell halfway. And someone's like, well, uh, you know, my wife and I had to take my sick kid to the hospital or something. It's like you're in two different places, you know, like he's got his mohawk <laughs> there and they've got like a, an adult ass life going. Yeah, absolutely. No. I get you. It's kind of, yeah, it's like a weird catching up. That's why Gordon is like a little bit more immature, obviously, than Orin. Like, Orin, I'm sure without the prison camp, was probably a bit more mature at the time, and that obviously hardened him. But Gordon, at, you know, he's 47, the actor in real life. I don't know how old Gordon's supposed to be on the show, but he, he's still pretty immature, which is part of why we love him so much. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, at this part, they kind of start talking about the Krill a little bit more. Um, and Oren expresses that he thinks that it's a huge mistake to be dealing, to trying to talk peace with the Krill. Um, we kind of can understand why he might feel that way after being in an imprisonment camp for 20 years. Um, yeah. You know, he hates these people, like, to the core, I would, I would assume. He says that uh, peace with the Krill is like a slap in the face to Sophie's memory. Because he can't live being in good relations with people that were responsible for his family's death. Or his wife, at least we believe at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a very intense moment there um, when Gordon actually says, he's like, do you really believe that? Like, I mean, this could give meaning to Sophie's death. And he is extremely offended. He he gets very upset. I mean, he asks him to leave pretty much in so many words. Um, You know, Gordon expresses like he knows that he's a patriot. and, And Gordon says that patriotism is only for people with large families. And that's very sad. Yeah, that's... That's an open wound, baby. Like, just opened up again. I took that as, like, you know if you're a patriot, if you, like, lost family and you're still fighting the fight. You know? I think that's kind of what I assumed from it. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, obviously, like, patriotism is, like, dedication and love to one's country. But after you lose, like, everything that means something to you. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one there, man. It's a tough one. 
yeah, we we head to the mess hall and we see Tala show Lena her uh, Pelpifa or Pelpifa. It's a Zelayan instrument and it's basically, it looks like like a washboard with like, <laughs> you know, you can press buttons on the back of it. It's pretty cool. All I could think of was the holophoner from Futurama and they must have had that in mind when they made it. <laughs> yeah, I would agree, man. That's actually funny. I didn't make that connection. But yeah, it's actually a super cool instrument. Super weird. Kind of pretty. The the show, like the the holographic show, is gorgeous. I don't know. Like as you can read this as like, oh, this is Lena as a prisoner. She's never even seen like musical instruments. I'm sure or other cultures. Or there's like the other layer of like, oh, she's an involved where she's actually never seen. You know, probably a lot of stuff where <laughs> their culture they can't go in non nitrogen regions as we learn non nitrogen rich atmospheres. So I don't know what the, their culture is. Maybe eventually we'll see the involved later on. Maybe in comic stories or, or otherwise. Yeah, because we heard that there was like what uh, fifty years ago or something from that date, the union had or they had agreed with the union that they would avoid any nitrogen-rich atmospheres because, as we find out, their blood is holy cow, super reactive. Yeah, I've heard of pot-blooded, but uh, you know this is explosive-blooded. It's a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole nother can of worms. This this is great. I I, uh, I missed the end of the scene uh, when I first watched it, but Tala says my parents forced me to learn it when I was when I was in school. It's pretty much the whole reason I never got laid. And Kelly says Jeff, just FYI, it's probably gonna get you laid now. And then Dan's like they cut to Dan at a table back, and he goes, "That was really pretty." I, I love Dan more and more every time I see him. <laughs> yeah, at first I thought Dan was a weirdo, but you know what? He is a weirdo, and I'm starting to love him for his weirdness. Um, but yeah, I actually missed that on the first watch through on the second watch through. I caught that one and I actually like went back, you know, like 20 seconds or whatever. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And I just started laughing so hard, man. Such a good scene. Dan is such an awesome, awkward. I I don't know. Such a great character. That scene was freaking hilarious, man. He's kind of like the cabin in the office where they don't use him too much, but every time they do, it's like, it's great. (laughs) It's like, welcome back. We've missed you. Yeah. Uh, Ed goes and talks to Tala in the security quarters, and uh, he he says, off the record, what do you think of Oren? And she says that she doesn't trust him. She knows he's a patriot and everything, but something about him rubs her the wrong way. And she says that she couldn't find any weapons on Oren's ship, and she also says, can you blame Can you blame him for wanting to blow up their ships? If I had been through what he was through, I'd probably want, it, want every last one of them to be dead. Which, you know, it's pretty rational. I mean, his motivations are clear, Oren's. Um, yeah, no, it's true. Um, I was actually kind of I don't know. I didn't really have a lot of, you know, I didn't really feel that way about Oren. Um, but then, like, right in that scene when, yeah, he was like, you don't really want peace, do you? Like, that's a bad idea and everything. That's when an eyebrow got raised. And, I mean, it's just nice to see that Tala has, uh, kind of has yeah. that feeling, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we head to the engineering bay where Dan says he wants casual day and we better get casual Dan at some point. I hope this is like an under underlining story that we get later on by like the season finale. It's like Dan in jeans or whatever at work. I would <laughs> but, love uh, to see Dan in jeans, man. Yeah. Just like a band shirt. <laughs> yeah. He says this to this new alien named Brosk, who I hope we see again. He's great. He almost looks like he's got like boils or something on his face or like these like bubbles on his face. And he's got like an interesting language and like one of the words was like douche. I love the way he goes like it, it was just it almost sounded like like Jabba mixed with some other Star Wars stuff. It was very Star Wars, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a super cool, weird language, man. Um, yeah, I, I just I loved it and seeing like the little like subtitles underneath it. That was a very Star Wars feel for me. 
yeah, he's like, oh, gosh, uh, or something like that. I wasn't even that, but uh, I, I could no, replicate it like if that. I saw it like five minutes ago. I, if I saw it like, well, I saw it like three hours ago, but uh, I know at the end he says, uh, oh, gosh, <laughs> which is wonderful. And I'm going to start saying that in normal conversations so everyone knows I'm like the nerdiest person that exists. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're talking, Oren enters engineering and he says he wanted, he's wanted to check it out ever since he came on board. Well, yeah, because that's where he gets his, uh, you know, quantum plasma or whatever. And Lamar says, yeah, you're welcome to look around. And he does look around and he digs around suspiciously and he opens it up and looks around at containers and messes around and Tala being the fantastic security officer she is head of security says uh you know she catches him and she's very much on to him and eventually goes and tells Ed and Kelly about Orange's suspicious activity mm-hmm. um yeah it was a super cool scene because like the music's like so suspenseful but you just see him like looking at stuff you don't see him do anything really and you're like huh and then Tala's there I love it when like the exit kind of happens and she's like you know if you need anything like, you can come ask or something like that. So it's just, like, interesting. Um, she's she's definitely on to him. And he's, you know, he says, oh, I hope I'm not breaching any protocols. Um, so he kind of tries to play it off all innocent. Like, we, we've learned he's become a very cynical, very good actor in these past 20 years. He's smart. He knows protocol. He knows how to play people. He knows exactly what to say. Yeah, he's probably he's thought this plan out. And he's pulled off a lot of destruction on curl vessels right so he's you know he's talked his way out of stuff and he's escaped a lot of places like he's almost like you know evil star lord from guardians of the galaxy where you know he's been raised as like a ravenger or he's been living that ravenger life for like 20 years now and he's adapted to it and he's flourished in this environment where he's like a rogue you know rogue agent basically yeah, I was almost going to say he's like a dark Han Solo. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think he did like a kick-ass job in this role. It was really cool, and it was really convincing and, and layered, and you could relate to him even though you knew what he was doing was terrible for, for, for relations with Krill and the Union. Absolutely. Oren is a very interesting character, and it is so unfortunate that he's not going to be in any more episodes. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be cool if they did like a, a mini series in the comic of uh, Ed and Gordon on some missions and stuff like that, and showing what led to to that happening or the build up before. Yeah, it would be nice to get a little bit of backstory because he's such an interesting character, and we've only really got forty five minutes of him. You know what I mean? Ed contacts Admiral Perry, and uh, they have a little dialogue, and Kelly's there as well, and they basically say like they might have to do an extradition agreement because this whole thing with. Oren is really blown up and it's been rough and it's going to ruin the peace treaty. So they might have to just sacrifice one person just so that we can actually clean this mess up. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot going on right now and it can all be okay. If you just give up Oren, um, Mm -hmm. no one is denying that Oren is like a phenomenal, um, union officer with a phenomenal record. Everyone Mm -hmm. understands his current situation. Like he's, we we know that he just got out of a, a curl prison. He spent 20 years in there. And, you know, it's so crazy to fathom sending him back there. Um, uh, of course, Perry understands, but he, you know, like this is we just need more information. Um, find out as much as you can. And, you know, we're going to try and save him. But like Endgame, like the Union and the Admirals are considering like handing him over because it's such a big deal. And if they have dirt on him, rightfully so, like hand him over. Let's talk peace. Sorry, Oren. Like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure Perry does mention that. Like, we need the Krill if there's if the Kalon come back. If the Kalon threat is still out there, so we need this peace treaty, or we're all getting wiped out. Absolutely. I mean, it's so much more than just um, one man's life at risk. Like, 
obviously they don't want to hand him over if he's innocent, but if he's guilty, then he does rightfully deserve to be handed over to the Krill as a prisoner. Um, and, and yes, like, as you say, like the Kalon threat, just cause you know, they flew off <laughs> doesn't mean they're not coming back sooner than later, probably. So without, without the Krill Alliance, neither the Krill, well, we don't really know about the Krill, but without, without the Krill, we know that the union doesn't stand a bloody chance. So it's extremely important that we, we get this like kind of ceasefire to turn into like a, a peace treaty. Exactly. We see Gordon showing Lena the iconic Planet of the Apes uh, uh, movie as we see their signature scene, of course, at the end. Spoiler alert for for uh, this, uh, you know, 60-year-old movie or 50-year-old movie. Yeah, if you didn't know. Like... Yeah, uh, we, we see, the, you know, when they see the Statue of Liberty and you realize that, you know, Earth has become, is the Planet of the Apes. And it's funny, you see Charleston Heston say his, his line, like, you maniacs, you blew it up, damn you, damn you. And, you know, it's funny because Oren is blowing stuff up, you know, he's blowing up so it's a very uh, very timely reference yeah no absolutely um it's yeah it, it's it's pretty funny i actually really like seeing that it reminded me that i was like wow i should really go back and watch those like six films or however many there are and then the new trilogy is really sweet too the reboot like one of the best reboots i've ever seen like it, the reboot trilogy is solid yeah i i would definitely agree with that i've seen i think i've seen two of three of them i can't remember i know i saw the first one and i either saw this I think I saw all three of them. I yeah, think the, the third one's a lot of action, but like, man, you know, that's like, mm-hmm. you know, the times are changing. That's what people want to see. You want to sell tickets. You're going to make yeah. kind of more of an action yeah. movie. And Moral you know of the story. Moral of the story. Good. Never, never let James Franco raise a monkey. That's, that's what we learned from that. Yeah. That was a bad <laughs> call. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's funny. He's talking to Lena about the movie, and she doesn't seem super receptive. And Gordon says, "Don't worry, the the real Earth isn't like that." Like as as if she thought that it would blow up. And like, although to her, I mean, she's like war torn, or she's just like a a bitter uh, involve. Who knows? Who knows what she thinks of Earth? Yeah, it's so funny. Actually, like, yeah, I love that scene. Gordon's just talking, and he's like, "Don't worry, no, it's not like that, though." And it's kind of like, well, a she's never been to Earth, which I guess makes sense because, mm. I mean, you know, she wouldn't know what Earth's like. But it's just so funny because he's trying to, like, you know, calm her anxiety. He's like, don't worry, when you go back to Earth, if you do, like, you know, maybe your dad will take you one day. Um, it's not like that. Like, it's it's good there. Like, it's great. Like <laughs> He just assumes that, like, Oren spent, like, 20 years with his daughter in, like, a camp. He would probably have tell her things about Earth. But he wouldn't say, like, oh, yeah, it's still there. Or, like, oh, yeah, I got taken over by apes. You know, whatever. <laughs> it's still, still chill. Yeah, it's like as if that's what happened in the past 20 years. It's like, oh, shoot, dad never told me things. <laughs> Ed enters and asks to speak with Gordon alone and he says to Gordon he says look if there's anything I need to know about Oren now's the time to tell me he doesn't want Gordon to get hurt in the situation they're bros and Gordon says like what and Ed goes has he said anything to you anything at all to indicate that he might have been violate that he might have violated the ceasefire and, and <laughs> Gordon's like serious right now Ed <laughs> the guy is one of the most dedicated officers I've ever known what what's going on the admirals are considering a provisional extradition agreement if he's guilty wait you wouldn't follow through with it. I just need as much information as I can get right now. Ed, all he's done is survived. He raised that girl by himself. She doesn't have anyone else in the world but him. Gordon, I'm on your side, all right. But the sooner I know what's going on, the sooner I can figure out a way to help this guy without selling out the union. Now, just tell me if he said anything. Well, he said he thinks the piece is a big mistake. He said what? Yeah, yeah, what of it? You know, you, you know what? I, I think it's a mistake, too. Oh, come on. You don't mean that. Yeah, I, I do. They're butchering fundamentalist fanatics. We, we shouldn't even be talking to them. 
Gordon, you're smarter than that. Don't let them get in your head. Oh, my God. What? You're jealous. I'm not jealous. Uh, you're jealous. What am I jealous of? Our friendship. Orin and I have known each other longer than you and I. We're close. And you don't like that. That's insane. What are we, in sixth grade here? I guess so. Look, Gordon, I'm just trying to do the right thing. The right thing is to protect him. He's a union officer. Do your job. I'll let you know when I figure out what that is. That's cool, because Ed's trying to figure out what the right thing is. I'm the captain. I'm trying to do the right thing, in quotation marks. And that was a little bit of Redenbacher theater there for you. I hope you guys liked it. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. But yes, what's going on here is... Like, not only is is he now having to juggle this big thing, but now he knows that he's under extreme scrutiny from Gordon. Like, Gordon is very upset. Um, and in the moment when Gordon says, do your job, yeah, like, that's very, like, uh, oh, my God. I'm surprised he didn't say, you know, like, I, I would have said something. I would have been like, you know, that's extremely inappropriate. Like, officers, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know. Yeah, but Gordon's, Gordon's just looking out for his friend, just like Ed's trying to look out for his friend. So, I mean, he gets that, you know? Yeah, so, no, you're right. It is it is relatable, absolutely. It's it's so layered, this episode. It, it's cool. There's so many perspectives you can look at it through. It's like an onion, you know? You just, well, <laughs> There's our Shrek friends, baby. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have forgotten otherwise. <laughs> we're we're going to have to get the air horns, too, for when we do. There's yeah number seven yeah baby yeah this is lucky episode number seven lucky number seven so gordon brings lena back to orange quarters and he and he asks how the movie was and gordon says oh i don't think she saw the twist coming and it's funny because gordon isn't going to see this twist ending coming where actually she's not even the daughter at all talk about a twist baby talk about a twist man oh my god yeah so um so later on there gordon is asking Orin. he's like like you know did you did you violate the ceasefire? And like, he also informs him that there may be an extradition on his behalf. Um, Warren kind of goes nuts here and he's in the war. He's into like self-defense mode. Like he, oh, yeah. he says, Gordon, I need a shuttle. And he says, it says that there can be no peace between the Krill and the union. He wants Gordon to join him and, and leave the Orville. Gordon says he can't. And Orange tells Gordon that he'll have to report him to the captain then. And he also mentions that he saved Gordon's life. Uh, he brings he tries to guilt Gordon into the plan. He says, I saved your life and paid for it with 20 years of my own. Now I'm asking a favor of you. Don't make me regret the sacrifice I made. And it was a huge sacrifice. He he basically says, Hey, I lost my whole family. You can take a you can take a risk on me. I lost everything for you. Yeah, this is um this is like master manipulation right here. Like, you know, he is imposing so much guilt and like shame onto Gordon. You know, he's making Gordon feel responsible indirectly for what happened to him, right? He, like, I mean, yes, you can say 20 years of one person's life to maintain another person's life is like ethically the right decision. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, let's not forget what it would be like to be imprisoned in a krill camp for 20 years. I'm only 24. I can't imagine that. Yeah, that's like four till now for you there. Exactly. And uh, we all, I mean, sadly, I'm sure there's many of us listening to this podcast that have had a friend where you feel like they're too far gone and you want to help them and be with them, but they're just completely different from what you know and you can't bring them back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, um, yeah, no, it's just a really tough, tough decision for Gordon, or so it seems. Mm Mm-hmm. 
we uh, we head to engineering once again. Lots of stuff going on in engineering, and uh, Lamar is messing around with some stuff. And he asks Yafit to bring him a conduit buffer cap. And another engineer says that he's in the bathroom. I just looked. You just picture Yafit going to the bathroom. Like what kind of? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's just kind of like. Uh, well, I mean, we know what the standard size, like you know, urinal and toilet height are. It's like, does he just kind of stretch up and pee and use the urinal, or <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of what went through my mind. I don't know if that's strange or not, but. <laughs> It's strange. It's perfect for the ship there. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, you're right. It was casual as hell. It's just kind of like, uh, Yafe, can you bring me a conduit buffer cap? And the, the guy's just uh, pretty sure he's in the bathroom. I like to think that they, they didn't have the budget to animate him in that episode. So there's like, let's just have one guy say he's in the bathroom. Or you know what? Yeah, we we don't have a huge budget like last week's two-parter or last yeah. two-parter. Like, yeah. you know, let's, uh, Yafe's not going to be really animated much. Like, yeah, Lamar goes to uh, look for the looks to go by the conduit buffer caps himself. And as he's looking, he sees that two quantum storage cells are missing. We go to the bridge, and he's telling everybody. He says that uh, the quantum storage cells use a small anti-grav uh, field to transport quantum plasma from one place to another. Tala says that's where Orin was snooping around, and Ed says that quantum plasma can be weaponized. Boris questions if they scanned Orin when he came on the ship, and Tala says, "Yeah, of course I did." But Ke- but Kelly asks about uh, about Layla, and says, uh, and Tala goes, "Yeah, I checked her too, but she has no weapons of any kind. Little, little does she know, she is the weapon." And Ed says, "So basically, all this guy's done is steal a bunch of pens from the office. What am I missing?" <laughs> It's not pens. It's like quantum plasma. It's not pens. <laughs> well, it's not quantum plasma, but it's quantum plasma um, canisters or whatever, right? So, but like, it's so, I love that so much. He's like, I know. So basically, all this guy's done is steal a bunch of pens from the office. Like, what are we missing? Just steal a bunch of pens. Like, like yeah, some awesome. asshole. Like, it's not like a bad thing. It's not horrible. And like, it's not really, you know, like too malicious. It's just like, you know, just what? Like, why is he doing this? Like, this yeah, is stupid. Most, most, uh, most people that steal pens from an office aren't being extradited to the op- other office there. So, oh my God. Know, there's some stuff involved there. You know what? You're gonna go work for the other company, and and they're gonna treat you like shit because our two companies aren't really getting along. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pen stealing son of a gun. And then when Ed says, what are we missing? You just see Gordon, like, flying the ship, looking super suspicious. Like, oh, jeez, you're missing a hell of a lot, actually. <laughs> Yo, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like when, you, when you're when you young and you, like, steal, like, ten bucks out of your mom's purse or something. Your mom is like, oh, that's funny. I thought I had blah, 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 blah or something. And you're just kind of like, oh, no, like, caught red-handed. <laughs> Mom, I took the drive plasma. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we see uh, Tala in her office yet again, and Gordon enters and asks if she wants a drink. And she goes, are you asking me out? And he says that he just wants to get to know her or whatever. And uh, really, it's just, uh, I'm going to spill my guts. I just want some alcohol. And uh, he asks her what she wants and uh, and says that they should drink just right here and, and because they don't want to go to the mess ball hall, just in the office. And uh, I've noticed this since Kelly mentioned it. Kelly said like a few weeks ago, I was like, no, I don't like to drink when I'm on duty. They drink on duty all the time on this show. They, they're, this is like the it, second foreign liquor. Yeah, it's like the second time we see something like drinking liquor this episode. Yeah, no, it's true, man. It's like uh, the whole like when Isaac and Finn started kind of getting involved yeah. there. It's like, yeah, they were all drinking, man. <laughs> but I mean, how else are you supposed to get weird? So whatever. I, I mean, eventually, I just, we need a character that's just like Julian from Outer Space always having the, the rum in his hand or the drink. <laughs> <laughs> so so gordon uh you know i think we, we might have all had to spill our guts at some point like this he, he drinks his drink and spills his guts he, he he takes the shot and he goes tala i have to tell you something and she says what gordon goes 
Orin asked me to steal the shuttle, and she says, when? And he goes, earlier today, he said all he needed was a shuttle and he could stop the peace. And Tal goes, how does he plan to do that? Gordon replies, he said he wouldn't tell me until we're off the, off the orbital. And Tala says, have you told the captain? And Gordon says, no. Look, Tala, I know I, I have to tell him, but if I do, I betrayed a man who saved my life, a friend who goes back 30 years, and if I don't, I betrayed the ship and Ed. So he is in such a such a shitty spot here. And this was a, a wise line by Tala. This was awesome. She goes, by telling me, you know you've already made your choice, because like, I'm going to tell Ed. She didn't say that last part, but that's what she's doing. But it's implied, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Gordon just says, I guess I just wanted to hear you hear myself say it out loud. Don't Don't talk to the captain. I'll tell him. Man, yeah, this is such a crazy part. Like, um, I want to go back to when he's drinking his drink. They sit down, yeah. like, you know, he gives her, he just slams that drink and puts it down. Like, tell her, like, raises her eyebrows a bit or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just let it all out. Um, we can assume that more happened behind the scenes right there. Because, you know, as the viewer, you're not made aware that, you know, Gordon actually doesn't betray anyone. Because yeah. I, I was pretty freaking baffled like honestly. he says don't talk to the captain i'll tell him and this kind of helps us believe that he actually is gonna join Orin because the next scene after this he tells Orin, let's go we're not aware of their plan until uh, you know about five minutes later of showtime mm-hmm. Orin and gordon uh, head to the shuttle bay and they're confronted by tala this is you know a few minutes later after the commercial break this is and- such a heated moment oh my gosh yeah, for real. Tala goes, I thought you were going to go tell the captain. And Gordon goes, Tala, please. And Tala says, I don't know what the hell you think you're doing, but you're going to turn around and walk back out that door. Gordon goes, please, don't get in the middle of this. And Tala, the badass, goes, we both know I can put your lights out <laughs> with one hand. Don't make me do it. Gordon says, I'm ta- I'm sorry, and shoots Tala. And most of us probably assumed it was like a stun, like a, a phaser set to stun or whatever. Absolutely. I would, I would assume so. Yeah, Tala's been getting shot a lot lately. This is the second time in a row she got shot. <laughs> I mean, maybe she's the perfect shot, though. You know what I mean? Like, she's ten times stronger than people. Maybe she's ten times more, well, maybe not that much, but she's hopefully more resistant to phaser fire. And if it is, you know, just stun, it's not a big deal. But uh, we we know that, you know, those bloody <laughs> Kalon weren't shooting to stun. Yeah, she's um, drinking that Zelene rum, but the little do you know she's taking shot, 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 shot. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't feeling a thing, apparently, either. <laughs> <laughs> well you know she, she's a badass and she well she does say that like uh, I don't know that was kind of a lame stun or whatever it did kind of hurt a bit a little too hardcore but his acting was pretty good he sold it um, yeah, it was good man um, so yeah this is when Gordon and Orin board the vessel and they jet man they're out of there uh, Bordis <laughs> notices that um, I think it's shuttle one that is launched and the tracking device is functional um, and then we're like okay so either you know the Orville is like onto them like they have a plan mm. or we're like uh oh like now we're tracking them like hard like don't let them get away kind of thing exactly um, the the krill captain tells ed that they're heading to the rendezvous point and that they need to be there within 30 minutes or you know it's probably over and yeah. in the shuttle gordon tells orin that they're cloaked and asked to see the ask the plan cloaked means nothing when we've got a tracking device but orin <laughs> won't say just says that just to head toward the krill vessel which you know you can't really say oh dude let's kill ourselves right now let's just suicide bomb <laughs> So, you know, so you now that we're wait. off the Orville, let's just boom. Yeah, that's a wait until you can't really say no and we're right there kind of uh, suggestion. Lena's eating in her in her quarters there, and uh, Tala checks in on her, and she noticed there's like these like boils or these like wounds on her arm, and it looks like it's time to call Doctor Fan. She calls Doctor Fan to come check on Lena, and then we see Lena pull the knife on Tala. Here's the twist, and tells her to relay the order, and she finally speaks. 
Yeah, it was scary, dude. It's, it's all gonna die. Oh. We go to commercial break and we get our badass line of the week. Tala says, "You ever met a Zelane before?" And she goes, "Nope." And then throws her across the room and she goes, "Well, you have now." Why did go? Well, you have now. She goes, "You have now." It kind of reminds me of like Norbit. Like, do you got a girlfriend? He goes, "No." And she goes, "Well, you do now." <laughs> oh it's not God. the same thing, but the, Norbit is a terrible. Movie. I have not I'm, seen Norbit. Good for you. Your life is better for it. Uh, yeah, well, we're not doing Norbert re- Norbit references every week there. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, we, we see Lena across the room bleeding like a weird yellowish blood, and Dr. Finn enters and tells Tala to step away. She's seen this before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, super eerie. Like, I was pretty baffled. It was scary, man. <laughs> yeah, Lena says that she's too late, and Finn tells Tala to lock the door and then hails the bridge and asks him to set up a force field around Orin's quarters as well as nitri- a nitrogen purge. Isaac activates a level 12 force field, and Tala, tells, and Tala says, uh, what, what's going on, Dr. Finn? And Claire says, uh, when it, wherever that, whoever that woman is, it's not Orin's daughter. Bum, bum, bum. And, you know, we could have uh, hooked up with, uh, with an involve and had like a half involve, half human. Yeah, I mean, you know, as long as we don't get exposed to too much nitrogen. Yeah, but, <laughs> but they'd be aware of that, yeah. yeah or you probably jumps. have, like, a resistance, you know, who knows. Yeah, there could be some cool new drug on the market that neutralizes that kind of... Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so we're back on the bridge, um, and Finn says that that's why she didn't want to do a... Me- or that's why she wouldn't uh, volunteer to do the medical exam, because she's an Envol. Um, Finn explains that Envol are a race of humanoids from a distant star system called Lakar B. I believe it's Lakar B, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so there's, uh, their blood cells contain a certain iodine compound that when it's exposed to a higher uh, nitrogen-rich atmosphere, it renders it, renders it highly, highly unstable. Um, yeah. So Kelly's like, their homeworld's atmosphere includes an element that neutralizes the effect, but they're too biologically dangerous for us to interact with. This goes back to that thing I mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, it was 50 years ago they made an agreement with the Union to stay away from worlds with nitrogen atmospheres mm-hmm. because it's super-duper dangerous. Um, Matt, do you want to tell us what Ed says? Yeah, Ed says, uh, and that's why most of us have never seen one. Tell us, says, where did Lieutenant Channing find her? And Finn, Dr. Finn goes, who knows? Ed says, could Orin have been extracting her blood to use as a weapon? And Tala says, the needle mark's on her arm. And Lamar chimes in, oh, why would he use a needle? And Finn says, the blood is too unstable to use an electron hyper- hypodermic. And Lamar says, that's why he stole the quantum storage cells to transport it. And then Ed says, and that's how he destroyed the, the Krill ships, by firing compressed units of Envol blood from the Krill shuttle torpedo launchers. And this is where, yeah, ben Boris says, Union shuttles do not have torpedo launchers. How is he planning to deploy the weapon? And Ed goes, he isn't. It's a suicide mission. And Kelly goes, with Gordon on board, with her husband on board, no. God, help us. No, it's a really <laughs> intense moment, actually. Um, bloody scary, mate. Um, so, yeah, we go, to the, we go to the shuttle. We're chilling with Gordon and Oren on the shuttle. Um, so Gordon goes, six minutes to intercept the Krill vessel. Okay, Oren, you got to tell me what we're doing, or I'm stopping right here. And so, then Oren, pull, Oren pulls out the, uh, the Envol blood bomb, which is what I'm going to call it. Yeah, that's scary as hell. <laughs> You're right, it is a blood bomb, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but Gordon, anyway, Gordon doesn't recognize that. He goes, what is that? And Warren goes, justice. <laughs> he looks more like, like eggnog. <laughs> 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 I love that line. Like, it, it, you know, it was a little, looked a little noggish for sure. <laughs> Every Christmas season or, or like that holiday season, man, I'm just going to be thinking of Envol blood now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, someone should make a drink of like, oh, Envol blood. And uh, that'd be pretty sweet. Well, I'll be Envol doing that. Log. Yeah, you got to come home for the holidays this year for sure. Now we're doing that. 
Yeah, we'll have an Envol Nog celebration. <laughs> yeah, Oren says it's Envol blood. Just a few ants that this is enough to destroy a ship's quantum drive. And uh, Gordon says, where'd you get Envol blood? And Gordon says, Lena was killed by the Krill 20 years ago, along with my wife. The girl you met was an, is an Envol I encountered at the outpost after I escaped the POW camp. She hates the Krill for her own reasons, so we joined forces. And Gordon says, you, you did destroy those Krill ships. And he goes, with great pleasure. Damn. <laughs> we, we know for sure. Yeah, Oren's twisted. Like, yeah, he's too far gone now he can't and gordon pulls out a phaser on oren and calls the shuttle bay and he's he says to oren he says look i understand what you went through was a nightmare but you and then oren interrupts says you don't understand a damn thing you've had a life for 20 years all i've had was loneliness and brutality and all that time in the in the world to relieve the memory of watching my family die and gordon says i'm sorry oren what war is hell on all sides but the agreement can stop the killing and then they a fight breaks out this is where we get to see gordon be the biggest badass we've seen yet yeah, this is actually a really good fight. Like, I was sitting on the edge of my... Well, I was, I was laying down in bed. But I was I was laying down in great excitement. I was like, oh I, I, I stood up and almost knocked over the popcorn bowl on my chest. It was a good scrap. Good fight. Good fight. Uh, good tussle, you know. boys. I, I want to see a hockey fight in one of these fights where someone pulls a uniform over their head and just punches them in just the Just jerseys them. <laughs> yeah, jerseys them. Cuts them in the chin. Yeah, Bang. good verb. Oh man, maybe I'll be using that move when the Redenbacher goes on a, on another mission. There, <laughs> you never know. You know, get into some hostile uh, dispute with a with a hostile uh, alien race. You just Jersey him. Surely you won't know that one. We'll show these space hosers how we do it here. <laughs> Uppercut right in the choppers. Yeah, the music here is really sweet too. It's very Star Trekky when uh, when they're beating the hell out of each other. And uh, Gordon gets the upper hand and then says, "Orin, it's over." And then Orin just activates the uh, eggnog bomb and says, uh, "We can intercept the Krill ship and do what we came here to do, or we can die right here." And Gordon says, "Orin, please don't do this." And Orin says, "It's too late. It can't be stopped." But it's never too late. And Orin says, "If you won't set the course, I will." And Gordon just shoots the control panel, basically saying, "Hey, we're not killing anybody." Yeah, I know this is a really good one. And honestly, I want to just like go back to that fight when you said it was like Star Trek music. I just thought that fight, like I could just picture like James Kirk fighting, like just fist fighting everybody. Oh my god, it was super TOSy. Um, we had this tech, but you know, good old fist fight. It's how we good old punch in the chops really resolves <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, no, this is like a super insane moment when Gordon act. Uh, sorry, when Orin activates the eggnog bomb, as, as Matt dubbed it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, just like yeah it's like all right like my decision's made what are you gonna do now gordon and it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of here actually um but before that Oren, like you know he's like do you realize what you've done and he actually tries to use like the calm even though it's like electrocuting him by the looks of it like you see him get zapped um he's desperate but gordon goes and grabs his face and says put this on he goes go to hell malloy he's done I know when I choice. when I first saw it, I didn't even I should have known because Gordon is such a bloody friggin' big heart. Like he's such a sweetheart. Um, I should have known, but I didn't even think of it. Like I thought he was just grabbing the suit and gonna like gear up and just be like, man, like, phew. all right. But no, he he gives him a chance even then. I know he still thinks he can save him, even though they've gone past the point of no return. He tries to save his buddy, but his buddy just wants to die. He's been suffering for twenty years. He just he wants to. He wants to die, and if he can take out some krill with him, that's a great way to go. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the amount of trauma this man's experienced and everything, like, we understand it. But, yeah, like, Gordon, you know, I know it's, like, your mate and everything like that, but, like, sometimes you just have to let go. 
Exactly. Uh, we fought, we hear that the Orville is actually three minutes away from reaching the shuttle, and Ed tells Marty to run every red light. So I think that they probably are going to get a speeding ticket next episode. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Okay, pull over. Like, yeah, we're going to get pulled over by the Lantern Corps here for uh, for doing that. Uh, <laughs> Gordon says, "Orin, we have to abandon ship now. Put the suit on." And Orin's just done. He goes, "Ungrateful bastard! I saved your life." And Gordon says, "And I will always be in your debt." But asking me to commit kamikaze suicide with you is kind of a backpedal, don't you think? And Orin goes, "Go." And Gordon goes, "Orin, I don't want to lose you again." He's already seen his buddy gone. He doesn't want to lose him. And sadly, Gordon exits the escape hatch and walks into space, taking another leap of faith as the shuttle explodes. Yeah, man. When when okay. When the hatch is closing, like before the depressure, or sorry, when the the gates are closing before it like depressurizes and then like mm-hmm. opens the actual like the hatch there, yeah. Um, man, like when you see Oren's face, like staring through the crack, yeah. he's just he's scared, like he's gonna die, and he didn't want to die alone. Yeah, like, he, he wanted like, he wanted to bro down with somebody till the end and just you know kamikaze yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, it was. This is, you know, this is an emotional moment. And you see Gordon like flying through space and just dealing with that. He's dealing with emotions and just the vastness of space. And am I even going to get picked up? Luckily, you know, the Orville's got a tractor beam and beams him aboard pretty quickly. But, <laughs> but do you see like when he leaves and when the actual like you know he he jumps off? Well, he doesn't even jump. He takes a step off. Hmm. He's going quite good. And then when the actual shuttle explodes, holy cow! He is sent on like a tur- oh yeah turtle. Tilt a world? Is that what they're called? He's yeah, sent on he's, like practically like the craziest goddamn Ferris bride. Yeah, he's banging along there. He's going. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna vomit. I thought it was almost gonna be comic relief, like <laughs> no. Uh, and then he gets <laughs> like you know it cuts to him and like you know just getting out of the shower or something like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. This was a good ending. This was a nice little uh, climax of the show. It was. It was really well built up and really well thought out and. Uh, great everyone did a great job in this episode i think gordon's acting in this episode was great like scott grimes killed it like that guy's super talented he kills it on the mic he kills it on the camera he's really talented guy absolutely brilliant brilliant guy i wanted to do a cover album of like all the songs that he sings he's gonna end up singing on the orville like goodbye by air supply i'm listening to air supply they are fantastic (laughs) let's let's do a cover uh scott grimes covers this covered by billy joel yeah yeah yeah. slick willie joel yeah, and so I and I and I expect next episode we're gonna open with Gordon's medal ceremony because the piece wouldn't be happening without Gordon, you know, going undercover and doing this. Gordon's gonna get a sapphire star, and and yep, he this deserves it. This wasn't for like a war effort, I guess, but like it was like it did, you know, bring a lot of peace. So maybe get like a Nobel Peace Prize if they're still doing that. Yeah, they should still be doing that. It's yeah. Good. We we get a peace treaty finally signed by Ed and Ambassador KTZ, and uh, Ed says, "I hope this marks the beginning of a new era of nonviolence between our peoples." And KTZ says, "We we will see. A peace is only as strong as those who uphold it." Because he's still a little sore about uh, you know humans trying to blow their stuff up after the ceasefire. And Kelly says, "And of course, trust is earned." And KTZ says, "We agree on that, Commander." Kelly, ever so wise. Kelly, you should be writing fortune cookies or. Doing something. You're brilliant, Kelly. Honestly, yeah. Kelly is such a great officer. We we mentioned this so many times, but like I don't know, man. Yeah, good Cassius, job, who she seems to pretty good spirits. <laughs> and uh, and then Kelly's share like a nice smile between the two. Mission complete. It, it was good. It feels really well earned. Mm-hmm. Because I mean they kind of express their doubts to to Perry in the beginning, right? They're like, Oh, like, you know, isn't there like surely you have diplomats, like, you know, we're not really <laughs> Um, but man, yeah, they had quite a challenge ahead of them and, Mm. you know, they did it. 
Like amazing job, amazing job. Yeah, it it was good. Uh, we then see a picture of Oren and Gordon when they were young, as uh, Gordon's just staring at it, uh, thinking. He's deep in thought, and then Ed enters and says, uh, listen, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. It's not easy to put duty before friendship, especially when someone dies. Oren died a long time ago, back in that Krill prison. The man who died in that shuttle was somebody else. Well, I also wanted to say that I think you may have been right. I've, I may have felt threatened by your friendship with Oren. Dude, that's insane. Why? Because every moment that I sit in that chair, I'm always wondering, do I deserve this? I mean, should this be someone else? And that's something I can never vocalize to any other member of the crew because they would lose confidence. I mean, I can talk to Kelly, but it's been a little complicated lately. I can, I count on you, man. Dude, you can always count on me. That's never going to change. You're my best friend. Nobody is ever going to come along and mess that up. I swear. I, I mean, maybe like a really hot girl. But, but other than that, it's rock solid. Thanks. Well, look, it's after shift, so why don't we go get a beer and you can tell me about your friend. So we're drinking again. We're just drinking all, all week. But no, it's a nice ending. And, and I do love that line of like, well, I mean, if a really hot girl gets in the way, I mean, probably we're. we're <laughs> and next week they show the trailer like there is like a hot girl that gets in the way or whatever. But uh, I can't wait for that episode. Uh, I love that ending. And this was really touching. I, I, I like this episode and I think it's going to hold up really well. Yeah, this is a wonderful episode. Um that like end scene there when Gordon says like the man that he knew died like a long time ago. Um, and then when Ed's like, you know, it's after shift, let's get a beer. You can tell me about your friend. It's kind of nice. Cause he gets to reminisce about the good memories mm. with Oren, like back when they were, you know, when that was the same man or so they kind of talk yeah. about it in that sense. Um, it's just like a really touching moment. Cause you know, Gordon a lost Oren to begin with 20 years ago. And then, you know, he got Oren back. He did, he, you know, he, well, it turns out that it was an undercover kind of mission. But, like, what, as the viewer sees, we think that, you know, he gets manipulated and he kind of, kind of goes against, you know, sells out, not the Orville, but he betrays the Orville um, and all this. Luckily, we find out that's, but anyway. Um, so it's just really nice that, you know, like, Gordon has lost Oren. He lost him a second time, really, because mm. he thought he got him back, but he never really had him back. We lost him again, so he's never gonna have his friend back, and that's like such a, it's like such a tease, you know, to yeah. see someone that you've not seen in so long, and you know, you want to really rekindle the friendship and be there for them and pick up where you left off. But it's reopening the wound, right? It's brutal. Absolutely, exactly. It's just reopening the wound, Matt. You're right. Like, um, and yeah, and you know, Ed probably knows that <laughs> Gordon's got a hell of a lot on his mind, and. I mean, yeah, after losing his friend for the second time, you know, it'd be nice to reminisce about the old times when he was still the man that Gordon respected and, you know, was was friends with. Yeah, this, this, it was it was a great episode. I think that uh, season two, I mean, season one was good, but season two is like next level. I think that there, there's no comparison, really. Yeah, I would actually have to agree with you 100 percent on that. Like, and I, love I remember. Yeah, season one's phenomenal. Like, we're not, don't get us wrong, viewers, listeners, people. Um, season one's great. And we're going to actually go back on the off season and, and pick up where we didn't start. Yeah, if you'll have us. <laughs> um, but, but yes, season one was phenomenal. But it doesn't have like the complexity and the depth of, of like the writing of season two. Season two has been, it's been nothing shy of phenomenal. 
exactly. It, it's been great. And uh, as we wrap up here, there's one thing I want to bring to your attention, Ben. Uh, did you know that uh, in the campaign to re- hashtag renew the Oroville, people are sending in pickle jars to Fox Studios <laughs> with the, with renew the Oroville as the label. Hashtag renew no way. Dude, yeah. Uh, do you want to? We can go buy some pickles, send them off, put them in a Instagram post or whatever, ship them yeah. off to Fox. Mace, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but the best thing to do would be to buy the merch, like the tweets, watch the show live. Uh, I think we are going to get a season three, most likely. Like Most sites are saying it's likely, but it couldn't hurt to buy some merch, buy the show digitally, watch on Hulu, you know, all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, I know I have to go get myself some Orville memorabilia. I'm going to go get some, probably like mug, maybe like a, definitely a Maybe like a nice ball cap. Like I've been wearing a lot of ball caps past like a couple of years. Mm. I'd love to have one with just like the logo. I want a Yawfit plush. Make one. Make it happen. Oh my god, that's the best idea ever. Or you know, uh, what was that stuff called back in the day? It was like like silly putty or like oh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, silly just, putty just sell silly putty Yawfit. Like the little you get the little mouth that you can like peg in. Yeah. Like how do you make? You could do a Funko Pop of Yafit too, but you have like no eyes. It'd just be like like a blob there. I'd buy that for sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, anything else that you want to bring up, Ben? Um, I guess that pretty much is everything I've wanted to talk about. I mean, I'm excited to see where things go between the Krill and the Union. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm excited to see this quote unquote hot girl that might be getting in between Ed and, and Gordon next episode. But I mean, aside from that, man. You know, I guess we can just stay tuned and keep watching. What about you, Matt? No, uh, yeah, for sure. I think that uh, I just want to say thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, last week's episode was uh, it it got more views than our first episode, which is pretty hard to do. So, uh, thanks a lot for that, you guys. Uh, really appreciate it. If you have any questions that you'd like to, you'd like to ask and have read on the show, just email us at ussredenbacher at gmail dot com, or ask us on Twitter and Instagram at the Redenbacher, and uh, we'd love to answer your questions. And with that, from the rookie Spanish sector, this is Captain Matt Murphy signing off for Commander Ben Bullerwell. Keep cutting that grass.